Hello, everyone. This is Sonata Allison, and you're listening to episode 13 of the Parallel Podcast, where we talk about sexuality as it should be. Welcome back, everybody. So as you heard, this is the 13th episode of the podcast. So we are in our teens now. Look at us growing. Um, but yeah, so today's episode is about a really good book that I um, definitely recommend called The Seven Myths About Singleness by Sam Alberry. Um, so just to let you know right now, spoiler alert, I it's a really good book and I'm going to be giving away a lot uh, of what happens in the book. Um, so if you want to stop here, buy the book, I'll put it in the t- description um, and you can come back and listen to my commentary. I get that. That's why I'm with movies. But if not, I think um, this will inspire you to want to buy it anyways. Also, wanted to give you guys a quick heads up. Um, I did create a Facebook group called the Parallel Hub, H-U-B. Um, and I just want to, cre- I wanted to create this space so um, people can just have a space to comment and talk about different things um, within the podcast or like different things that you guys want to talk about. I'll probably throw in some questions or different topics in there. So it's called the Parallel Hub. You can find it through the Parallel Pod page as well. So look forward to seeing you guys in there. All right, let's get right into it. So in the seven minutes about singleness by Sam Alderman, he speaks about how singleness is almost always defined negatively as like the absence of something or the state of not being married. And I can actually relate to this, uh, the negative viewpoint. Uh, Actually, recently, I was at a friend's party and um, someone uh, introduced himself to me and I was just talking to this individual and they mistakenly thought that I came in with this boy. So she's like, oh, is that your boyfriend? And I'm like, no. She said, oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Like her, like, no, 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 this is how it went. She said, uh, is that your boyfriend? I said, no, I'm actually single. She said, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, um, you're actually fine. I'm, I'm happily single. Uh, but just apologizing for me being single, like mistaken that I was in a relationship and I'm not like, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Like I'm perfectly healthy and capable of living life as a single human being. So that just reminded me of how singleness can be viewed as something negative like she had offended me by pointing out the fact that I don't have a man (laughs) Ah, so um this book uh definitely helped me to deepen my comfortability with being single um I think I read it maybe last year um and he spoke about singleness from a very eye-opening perspective um he speaks about how singleness should be celebrated and I've literally never heard that thought process before Um, which is actually pretty sad if you think about it. So uh, I actually won't be going in depth about all of the myths, um, but just for the sake of your brains, um, I'll list all seven. Um, So the first is that singleness is too hard. The second is that singleness uh, requires a special calling. The third is that singleness means no intimacy. Um, The fourth is that singleness means no family. The fifth is that singleness hinders ministry Sixth is that singleness wastes your sexuality. And the seventh talks about how singleness is easy. The myth about singleness being easy. Um, I'll basically touch on the first and the last two most heavily. Um, But 
I hope this inspires you to actually read the book for yourself, highlight and all that stuff so you can go back um, and just study it on your own. Um, so my favorite part of this book and the part that really put things into perspective for me was when he spoke about how most of the people who are married or will be married will actually be single again, which is really interesting to me. And y'all may be thinking like, wow, Sonata, that's your favorite part to think about the demise of other people's marriages? No. (laughs) So he goes on to speak about how rarely couples actually die at the same time, even into old age. Um, He spoke about his grandfather at the time when he wrote this book. um, He had been single for about a decade since his grandmother had passed. And he also spoke about um, how some people experience divorces or early deaths in their marriages so he encouraged people to think carefully and biblically about singleness now rather than waiting to have to confront that viewpoint later so basically what he's saying is we will all be single at one point in our lives maybe some for longer but in reality you if your thought process is that your final destination is marriage singleness is actually your final destination more often than not regardless of how long you are single so Um, keeping marriage as the final destination is probably not the smartest way to think about singleness when in reality we'll all be single again. So he then speaks about community in a way that few churches see it. He speaks about how in Romans 12 4 Paul um, talks about uh, us being one body and belonging to one another. He speaks about how the single person has a part to play in married families and vice versa. Um, He also speaks about how in his time of singleness He was very involved in his friends' lives, like babysitting, cooking for them, helping out around their house where they needed, and also about um, how they would invite him over and have dinner with their family as well. So I think that's pretty interesting to point out. He said he became so involved in the families that they would even have arguments in front of him. And he talked about how that's important and just kind of shows you that you've become a part of the family, but also allows single people to see the realities of marriage as well. And I think it made me think about how like a lot of people like may try to hide that part of marriage from single people because it might discourage them. But I think it's important for single people to see the good and the difficult parts of marriage. So the first myth that I uh, listed in the beginning is that being single is too hard. And I think his arguments were so helpful um, to see things a little differently. One of his arguments to this is something that I actually cherish, which is that you're way more free in singleness. Guess who I check in with before I do stuff? Me. Guess who I talk to before I buy something expensive or go over my budget? Me. So I definitely agree with this being a pro. I don't got to tell anybody where I'm going, what I'm doing. I just do it. And then I tell people about it later or something like that. So um, I think that's a really good pro to being single. He then speaks about how negatively people are seen when we are actually upholding the Christian view of singleness, because I know the world's view of singleness is a lot more um, chaotic and, um, how can I say, horizontal, sorry. <laughs> uh, and I'd say chaotic and just reckless in the world. So what I'm talking more about is Christian singleness. And he spoke about, speaks about how um, I would say people lose their minds when they find out people are virgins. And a quick story um, I can also relate to. It's when I was in high school, one of my friends' friends was sitting on FaceTime with me um, and we were talking about uh, 
a um, how do I say this a physical encounter he had recently with someone um, that did not go as he desired and basically how painful it was and the aftermath that he had to deal with um, where this person was just kind of careless with their body and then somehow I don't know how but of course it would come back on me and I was just basically telling him you know I'm a virgin and he laughed at me <laughs> he laughed right in my face um, after telling me about someone being careless with his body and the aftermath the cleanup he has to take care of so weird thought process how the world thinks um so society pressure definitely can affect a person's experience of christian christian singleness luckily i just i could understand like sir you gonna have to recover from the experience you just had so <laughs> i don't know what you're making fun of me for but yeah that definitely can play a part in how society society response to our abstinence um he then makes a really cool observation about the conversation jesus has with the disciples and other onlookers about the criteria for being able to divorce someone and instead of answering how they want him to um as jesus does he answered how he would like to so he speaks about how outside of sexual immorality you should not divorce so i definitely think the lord would argue that um any other violations to the commitment or abuse will qualify for divorce but in this context of the chapter he's addressing the heart of the men that he's speaking to and they're very hung up on being complacent in marriage and kind of just hopping around with different women and different things like that so he's speaking to the heart of these men that are in this conversation so after he says that one of the disciples says if this is the situation between a husband and a wife basically where he's saying like you can't just divorce the disciple, the disciple says it's better not to marry, which I think is pretty hilarious. He's like, if I got to be commit committed, what am I marrying for? <laughs> it's better than I don't even do it. Um, but once again, it just shows the heart of these men. My man's really threw his hands up. He's like, my hands are up on this one. It's above me. Um, but Jesus responds to him and he says, not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others. And there are those who chose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. So this is Paul and uh, as a eunuch. So a eunuch is basically someone who um, is abstaining from sex or someone kind of um, castrated them so they, can, they can't really do that. So it's just someone who is not going to be having sex for the rest of their life. So there's some people that choose that and some people who were born like that or were um, castrated by others. So um, Paul would be the latter person who actually chose to be a eunuch for the kingdom of heaven. But there are also a lot of people who experience same-sex attraction um, if they are not attracted to the opposite sex who also choose this noble way of life um, as well. Um, but it then goes to say that one who can accept this should accept it so he speaks about how on one hand the lord points out the struggle with being married in the beginning of the verse as well as the struggle of being single uh, or a eunuch so he speaks about how each come with their own challenges and neither is easier than the other and i think we need to think about that for a second because i think single people spend a decent amount of time romanticizing marriage when it will come with it on its own struggles and for some people maybe even a lot of people you would say like oh my life has gotten easier since i got married but there still will be challenges um he also speaks about how there are some people in marriages that romanticize singleness and their freedoms that i have um that they don't have 
and also different responsibilities that they have and 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 children are also an important thing to consider so i think it's really cool how the lord basically says like these are two things that will come with their own struggles and um the verse that says uh the one who can accept this should accept it so if you can accept accept singleness accept it if you can accept marriage then accept it they're both going to have their own individual challenges um it is also celebrated when a person can set aside the opportunity to marry and have children for the sake of christ because i think everyone knows in society all across the world everyone wants to have a companion and a lot of people want to have children and like jesus was a eunuch for the sake of the kingdom for the sake of the mission of of Christ. So I think a lot of the time we forget that he was single for his whole life and he can relate to our exact experience and even more, I'd say. Literally the person who was fully human as well as fully God and had to resist every single temptation on earth. Like he can relate to you. He's the one that would literally understand you more than any other human on this earth because he experienced all temptation. So I think it's really important for us to remember like our our God was a, a, a single man his whole life. So when you bring those hurts and the sadness to him, he understands you like more than anyone else can. Um, so that's really comforting for me to think about. So then he then speaks about how in 1 Corinthians seven twenty eight, Paul is literally warning people about marriage, saying, if you marry, um, you do not sin. But if you marry, you will face many troubles in life. And I want to spare you this. I have never heard this verse in my whole life. I've never heard it. And it's 1 Corinthians 7:28. Like it's literally in the Bible. But I believe it's less about the struggles of marriage and more about the distractions it will be um from a life laid down for Christ. And literally when I heard this when I was young, like a young Christian, it really grieved my heart to hear the scripture that says I would be like divided and worried about things outside of Christ. And honestly, if I think about it for too long, even now, I will definitely cry (laughs) because Jesus is so good to me. And it feels like he's getting the short end of the stick and just being like careless with my relationship with him. But the scripture does say it is not bad to marry. That's what it says. And the scriptures also say that it's not bad to be single. So neither one is bad. Like I said, there's just different challenges with both. But it made me even more serious about finding someone that loves Jesus because if he's going to divide my time with Jesus, the man that literally changed my whole life, that I will get to spend eternity with and be in ultimate bliss and free of all pain with, he better be the same one leading me to Christ as well. And that's why it's so important to choose someone who leads you to Christ because your time will be divided whether you like it or not just because of where we're at um, on this earth, which... Is sad, but you know, the Bible says marriage is not bad and Jesus gave us this um, beautiful gift as well. So um, Paul actually goes on to say it's better to live even as you have, even if you have have a wife um, as if you don't. And it's better to live even if you have things as if you don't. So he speaks about how unmarried men are only concerned about the Lord's affairs and how to please the Lord. But a man who is married is worried about the affairs of the world and how to please his wife. Um, and personally that made me do some inventory and look at how my life reflects a life focused on the affairs of the Lord because I'm single. So I think a big reason why a lot of singles are discontent with their singleness is because you're stewarding it incorrectly. Um, I think it's very easy to become very self-centered when you're single, but we are called to more as Christians and you also have more time on your hands as a single person. And you may say, no, I'm doing this or no, I'm doing that. 
Well, then my question to you is, are you stewarding your time well then? Does your time reflect um, a life laid down for Christ? I genuinely believe that the people in the world who are miserable or complain about their lives often are the same people that are focused on self-serving and not on serving others. And you may think, oh, I know people who are miserable and complain about their lives and they're always serving others. It's a heart issue at the end of the day. So if their heart is to serve others, there's no reason you'd be miserable because you're, it's so fulfilling to love others. Um, as the Bible says, you are um, more blessed to give than to receive. And I didn't quote that exactly, but um, it's better than to give than to receive. Um, so the question is, do you give your time to the church, um, to the people, and to the building? Are you mindful of genuinely loving the people in your life well? Do you tithe your money to the church um, and trust him with your finances? If you're only focused on your lack or um, on yourself, you'll always feel like you're missing something because you are missing something. You're missing your calling to serve God and to serve others. So in your singleness, give of yourself to the kingdom and it will be life altering for you. I heard a quote once and I might misquote it, but it goes something like in the process of loving others, you will notice that you've changed as well. And I love that. That's just beautiful to me. So on the other hand, there will be struggles unique to Christian marriage. And it might be encompassed as, you know, long suffering. And that's kind of my own summary. He speaks about how some married people say, like, this is not what I signed up for. Or um, we don't even like each other. And honestly, I would say this is on the church or like the church as the people. Not preparing people for realistic marriage. But as the scripture says, married people um, are anxious about how to please each other. And you have to be emotionally available and be mindful of each other when making decisions. But also like through sickness and in health is what your vows say. Um, he also tells a story about a man who gained an illness after marriage where he even struggled to button his shirts. And he said, like, I didn't envision my marriage to be this way. Um, and also a woman who married someone who wasn't a Christian, thinking it, would, it wouldn't matter, like, it's okay. Um, but then she found out later that it really did matter immensely later on. And she's already in the covenant. So he also spoke about a woman who married someone who showed himself to be a strong Christian, but um, was actually far from that in marriage. So these are some struggles that you can experience in marriage as well. Um, he also spoke about a f- about families that couldn't have children and they desired to and the stresses of that and also families who have children who are who have special needs and the struggle of seeing their children have those experiences as a parent or parents who experience children's early deaths by sickness or suicide or just like everyday stresses of being a parent. And in Christian singleness, you will not have to have any of those struggles that I just listed. Like you're free from all those things. The closest way you'll come to it would be if you have close family or friends that are going through those things. And it will definitely affect you, but not to the extent of being the, uh, a parent or a person in, in those kinds of relationships. So I think it's also something to take into account. Now, again, what I told you is uh, that the attempt is not to discourage you from marriage. Um, he actually quotes First Timothy 4 13 I believe where it says that like it rebukes forbidding marriage um which I I never knew that there was a verse that did that so um it kind of outlines the struggles in marriage that I'd say a lot of singles don't realize we are spared from um life is just much less complicated and straightforward I wouldn't say easier but it is less complicated than being married 
Um, he also says that it this is why he encourages singles to live with each other to prepare for these experience of living with someone else and learning to compromise and to care for other people. And that's a better way <laughs> to learn how to live with people rather than cohabitating um, with that person before marriage because that is not condoned in the kingdom. And there are also other reasons that are research-based as well. Uh, research actually shows that people who cohabitate before marriage are more likely to divorce, which is pretty interesting to me. And maybe I can talk more in depth about that in a future episode. Um, but he also speaks about how people feel that singleness is a special calling. So I believe that's the second myth, which I would say long-term it definitely is. But as you know it, if you are single, as I am single right now, you are currently, like, you have the gift of singleness. <laughs> um, and... As we spoke about earlier, everyone is single at one point. Um, he also makes a really great point about how because singleness and marriage are both gifts, none of us are missing out. And that really like struck a chord with me because I know in singleness you feel like you're missing out on like companionship and all the good things of marriage. But singleness is also a gift. And um, I don't know, that was just really helpful for me. All of us get something of the goodness of God is what he said. And I just thought that was beautifully said. Um, he says, even in the midst of the challenges for both singleness and marriage, we can taste something of the goodness of God. And that thought process protects us from the just thinking like we're in despair with either gift. So then chapter three and four speak about the myth that singleness is the lack of intimacy and lack of family for um, chapter four, which we've spoke about um, more in depth in episode three, I believe, about platonic intimacy on the parallel. But in addition to that episode, um, you need people in your life to remind you of your worth as well when you're in singleness, as well as when you're going through struggles of different experiences. So like dating or being ghosted or people just being annoying in general. Um, I think it's important to have friends in your life that can remind you like, girl, he ain't it or give him some more time or just people to really go through the whole experience with you. Um, as a single person. So he does emphasize the importance of community as well. And I think that's so important. Um, so in chapter five, he speaks about the interesting viewpoints on singles in ministry. But I actually want to focus more on the last two chapters because I've actually had some of the thoughts that he addresses. So in the sixth chapter, he speaks about the myth that our sexuality is wasted in singleness. He speaks about how single people feel like such a huge part of their being is being neglected or left unused. Um, he speaks about how basically, yeah, like maybe it won't be quote unquote used, but there's a great life to live in eternity with Christ and how there'll be no more marrying in heaven and you'll be one with Christ. And it's important to keep that in perspective. And this is a podcast about Christian sexuality. So I know that I've addressed the struggles of staying sexually pure, but um, being confronted with this truth that like we're living for an eternity that's bigger than um, something temporary and that we're going to be ultimately be Christ's bride. Um, it should be well received as me saying that. So sexuality is not eternal. Only Christ is. But I completely understand like you kind of feel like uh, what's it for then, <laughs> you know, and I, I can definitely relate to that. But our focus is on being Christ's bride ultimately and, and spending eternity with him. So um, those two feelings can exist at the same time thinking like what's the point of being single but also I am Christ's bride and I'll be spending eternity with him there's nothing wrong with having those two feelings at the same time so then chapter seven speaks about the myth of singleness being easy 
he speaks about the loneliest experience in singleness and how you may find yourself reaching out to married friends more than they do you um, to spend time with each other or when they visit where you are and don't stop by to spend time with you or when friends just simply move away. He also talks about when you realize you are not as high on people's priority list as they are on yours. And that's really painful to feel that way. Or even when you find yourself looking for somewhere to live alone. These kind of situations may cause what the author's friend called kitchen floor moments where he's not cleaning the kitchen, but he's crying on his kitchen floor. The author's friend speaks about how the unhappiness of experiencing same-sex attraction causes him and not being able to have a family or a spouse. Um, He also spoke about the realization that there are particular times where you realize like you're like in the midst of all of your friends getting married or having babies or like realizing like you're not where you want to be. And also realizing how like dynamics of your relationships change when people get married. Um, He also normalized the feelings of rejection you may experience when attending friends weddings when this person's spouse becomes clearly more important than your friendship and, and, and you. These are all very hard things to grapple with as a single person, and it's very normal and okay. It's not bad to feel these things. It's, I mean, I understand why jealousy, rejection, sadness would happen to you. So you don't have to feel bad about that. It's a normal experience, kind of like heartbreak. So um, he talks about how we're allowed to feel heartbroken in these times. Um, And in my own words, it's not weird to feel a loss. Um, And he also speaks about how singles are treated differently in different families and arenas and arenas as well in ministry just i mean y'all all know you go to the cookout you go to the family events and people are like oh where's your boyfriend you don't got a boyfriend oh and i'm like no i don't i do not <laughs> i don't have one okay i hate when people ask me that question if i had one you would know <laughs> he would be here next to me we wouldn't be having this conversation so i definitely understand the frustrations of singleness but Um, I want to share you guys um, this verse, Psalms 139, 1 through 6. Um, And I want to read it to you because it means it's meant to be an encouragement. So Psalms 139 reads, um, Oh, Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind me and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. What an intimate knowing. What an intimate experience of a God that is so intentional with his relationship with you. God knows you and he knows your struggles. He knows your desires for companionship. And he is the one that is so interwoven in in your being. Like he knows you to your core. So I want to leave you guys with a quote from the book. Um, we expect from our physical marriage only what we can get from our heavenly one. And one of the author's friends said to him, my marriage is much more than I ever expected or imagined but it's not enough. The affections and acceptance we look for in people will never fulfill us. Only when we surrender the needs to Christ will it truly be be fulfilled, but you'll first have to have faith that he can actually fulfill fulfill you this way. And what I mean by that is, um, I'd say last year, 
I really had to kind of surrender my desire for the affections of a spouse to Christ because um, I think it's it's a lot deeper than just being held or um, going on adventures with people or things like that. Like you just want to be cared for and and, and known deeply. And you're only going to find the deepest depth of that in your relationship with Christ. But you're going to have to have faith that God can give that to you. Faith always comes before everything good that happens in the Bible um, for people. So I just encourage you, whatever you're holding on to and not giving to Christ, just have faith that he can actually give you that thing. And you can actually be fulfilled in that relationship. Um, So... I know I gave a summary of the book, but I highly recommend that you listen to this book or read it. Um, And like I said in the beginning, I'll leave the description. I'll leave it in the description below so um, you can pick it up. And uh, I'd even encourage you to read it in community as well. So I hope this episode has helped you see singleness through a more clear lens. So remember, you guys can follow The Parallel and join our Facebook group on Facebook um, called The Parallel Hub. And I'll speak to you guys next week. Bye.